are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 7th of May. Jazz and the Nuggets. Is this game actually getting more important as we get closer? We'll break that down. How are the Nuggets possibly still winning without Jamal Murray and a rest of a bunch of players? We'll talk about that. Donovan's commencement. A whole bunch of different other aspects of things. What's going on in the league last night? And it's a points game Friday with hopefully some of your questions as well. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Are you fired up? Big one today, Jazz and the Nuggets. Maybe a little less big without Donovan, without Mike Conley, without Jamal Murray, without Will Barton, without Monte Morris, without P.J. Dozier, but it still feels like a big one. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15. And you get 15% off your next order. I do think this is a fairly big game. And I think it got a bit bigger last night. Let me see whether I'm making things up or you buy it. So the Lakers lose again last night. Anthony Davis says he'll play against Portland. Frank Vogel gives a really weird kind of soundbite about, well, LeBron's healthy. He's just not here. Um... I don't know what that's about. It's as though the Lakers are like tantalizingly teasing us with as much internal drama as they possibly can have so that we get to the point where we think to ourselves, hey, maybe they really are going to fall apart. But here's what it does feel like a little bit right now. It is looking more and more likely that the Clippers could be at three. All right, let's start here. It's looking more and more likely that the Lakers are going to be something other than the fifth seed. That 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 feeling is is clear. That the Lakers are probably six or seven. If you look at basketball references projected standings right now, the Lakers' chances of six are 56%. Of five are suddenly. The Mavericks are going to be the fifth seed in all likelihood. So as Dallas is five, if we win tonight, we increase our chances at the one seed dramatically. If we win tonight and then have Houston, Oklahoma City, and Sacramento on the schedule, though Sacramento could be playing for something the last night of the year, but let's assume they're not. And we have those four wins. Phoenix would have to go 5-1 and one the rest of the way to catch us. That assumes we lose to both Golden State and Portland. So tonight is mammoth. Because if we win tonight, then Denver increases Denver's chance for the fourth seed, which is already 63%. The Clippers would be at three. The Lakers likely at six. And all of a sudden, you are the one seed with home court advantage, not in the Lakers and not in the Clippers brackets. Now, the world can change and teams can screw with this and play along with it a little. 
But really, what gets funky in here is like the only way you can actually force your way into like a playoff seating is by losing intentionally. You can't win intentionally. You can only lose intentionally. And it's not entirely clear to me how somebody like Dallas isn't going to lose out of the fifth. So they're set. Denver, the Clippers are, I don't, I guess the Clippers could try to lose into the fourth seed. So could Denver. And Phoenix and Utah aren't going to intentionally lose. Frankly, you just probably don't. I mean, it's getting very fascinating. The other side of this is that if you believe the Clippers and Lakers are still the best two teams, it's looking more and more likely like they're going to play each other in the first round of the playoffs, which is the most likely scenario right now. It's not likely, but it's the most likely scenario. There's two big differences there. But that suddenly means that now your route and it's so it's getting less and less likely that anyone, Utah or Phoenix or anyone other than the Clippers or Lakers, the 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 route of beating having to beat both the Clippers and the Lakers does not seem to exist right now. It seems less likely. Let's not get too excited. So there it's wild. 538's projections have the Jazz at 53 and 19. Seems high. Right? That has us losing one more game the rest of the way. Feels like there could be two. Suns at 51 and 21. Clippers at 49 and 23. Nuggets at 47 and 25. Mavericks at 42 and 30. Blazers and Lakers tied at 41. Gets pretty wild. So the one seed is seemingly back to being super important if it looks like, as it does right now, the most likely case scenario is the Lakers and Clippers are on the other side of the bracket. So let's talk about Denver a little bit. They're 14 and 4 since Jamal Murray went down. Crazy impressive. They're crazy impressive. Jokic is unreal. But let's let's take a second instead and just kind of look at what they're doing over since Jamal Murray went down. So 18 games ago Jamal Murray and the Denver Nuggets are playing, and he goes down in a tragic injury uh, that leads Zach Lowe to doing a narrative that was really quite fabulous, but like also felt like a funeral, which maybe in some ways it felt like it was at the time. Right? It felt like that the, you know, when you looked at what had just happened to them, that Jamal Murray would be out for not only this year, but probably next year. And Denver, who at the time was 100% a title contender, suddenly was, didn't, didn't seem like it any longer. On the night of the injury, the Nuggets were dismantling the Clippers 101-94 on the 1st of April, and they were rolling. Since then, they've been pretty good. And this is a tribute to Jokic. It's also a tribute to how great Michael Porter Jr. has become. So since April 1st, the Jazz actually have the best differential in the NBA. They're 12-7 and with a plus 11 because of our blowouts. Denver has got the fourth best differential. 
They're 14 and four. They've won the most games of anyone in the NBA. They actually have the best record of anyone in the NBA since the day Jamal Murray went down at 14 and four. That's incredible. They're the eighth best offense. They're the fifth best defense. So they've gone from being 10th defensively to fifth. Here's what they've really done. They are killing people on the boards. They're t- and they're super long. They're 29% offensive rebounding rate. Like our guys better be ready to work the glass tonight. Because they are crushing people on the glass. 29% offensive rebounding in a league that's allowing t- is 25%. They're, they're dramatically higher than anyone else. We've really slipped in that category recently, by the way. We're 18th in the same time period. We're not hitting the glass. Teams are aware of it, one of the two. They're also, defensive rebounding rate is the best in the league as well. We've been very good at that. So that's going to be a real tussle. So they're 14-4. and four with the best differential in the league. They're the 11th best shooting team. They go to the free throw line at a high rate. They defend really well. Their half-court offense is not quite as good. They've gone from 7th to 16th, but their half-court defense is better. And they're super long. So if you look at what they start, they now start Compazzo, who's 5'10", he's small. Michael Porter Jr., who I believe is, you know, probably officially listed. I, I haven't looked at what he's officially listed at, but I think he's 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", okay? He's your, your two guard is Michael Porter Jr. at 6'10". If Donovan was playing tonight, Donovan would have to guard him. Aaron Gordon at 6'8". Paul Millsap at 6'8". And this is without Will Barton. So they open the night with Compazzo, who's small, fine. Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Compazzo, Millsap, and Jokic. Their first sub is Shaq Harrison, who was with the Jazz for Austin Rivers and Jermichael Green. Jokic has been playing the entire first quarter, so Favors is going to have to deal with him for a little bit. And then he comes back to close the final six minutes of the second quarter. The in-between time period where they've been playing JaVel McGee, so they have 48 minutes of seven-footers, Austin Rivers, Jamichael Green, and then they bring back Michael Porter Jr. as their offensive fire hose in that first part of the second quarter, and we're going to have to figure out how to guard that. They have not... you know, Mike, give Mike Malone great credit. They, they have played super hard and they have figured out how to do this. And some of their lineup data without the guys. Now, they lot, just lost P.J. Dozier to add to the list and they've lost Monte Morris, who's super important to them. And they're without Will Barton. Both teams are really limited. The difference is they have the MVP tonight. But I'm not sure that I think that we have a huge injury advantage tonight. Um... Or disadvantage tonight. I mean, we're missing two really, really good players. They are too. They're missing Gary Harris and then, excuse me, they're losing Jamal Murray and then Monte Morris, Will Barton, and P.J. Dozier are really good. Their lineup that they 
in what they've had a hard time doing without these guys is, as I said, is scoring. Their defense has been amazing. So if you take Murray, Morris, Barton, Dozier, Harris, who they traded off the floor this year, they are in the sixth percentile offensively, but they're in the 97th percentile defensively. So if we can get a jump on them a little bit, we can hit some shots early, get out and transition a little bit. They should have a hard time catching up, but they're beginning to figure it out. If you like look at their lineup data, they're beginning to kind of figure it out and what they're using and how they're using their lineups. The loss of P.J. Dozier, though, is not insignificant. That that makes them even more thin than they were before. Dozier had been doing some fairly good things for them, like just kind of probably uh, the good analogy would be a little bit of the the Royce O'Neal role for us. Like he was starting um, and he was kind of playing those link minutes between the set first between the quarters and was pretty important. And then he wouldn't always uh, finish. They need a little bit more offensive firepower to finish, but he's a similar player. What do you possibly do with Nikola Jokic? We'll talk about that and, and look at Jokic as we continue. He's just truly Truly remarkable, uh, and try to give you an analysis of that. Today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. If you're going to play the sports this weekend, you get a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on at our friends over at betonline.ag. They've got everything out there for you, trusted for over 20 years. Easy, simple, fun, frankly, because they have a bunch of always fun futures and different things going on. Uh, going uh, there for you. Uh, you can do a bunch of in-game lines and bets and all sorts of kind of funny, crazy things. Here's the lines tonight. Sixers are nine-point favorites against the Pelicans who are desperate to win. Boston trying to avoid the play-in is a four-point favorite over Chicago. Milwaukee trying to grab the still fight for the one seeds, a 16-and-a-half-point favorite over Houston. Charlotte's a seven-point favorite over Orlando. Miami trying to avoid the play-in is a six-point favorite over Minnesota. Dallas is a 10-point favorite over Cleveland, trying to clinch the five seed. We're a four-point favorite over Denver. Phoenix is a seven-point favorite tonight over New York. Spurs and the Kings play. That could be the death of the Kings if the Spurs win. If they Kings, if the Spurs win, if the Kings win, they get back in this thing a little bit. Spurs are a five-point favorite. And the Blazers are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over the Lakers in a mammothly huge game involving the playoff. Go check it all out at betonline.ag. By the way, your sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarkson, minus 1,200. Joe Ingles, plus 500. Your defensive player of the year is down to two people, minus 750 for Rudy Gobert, plus 425 for Ben Simmons. That's a joke, by the way. Your improved player of the year, Julius Randle, minus 5,000. Jeremy Grant, plus 800. And your MVP, Nikola Jokic, minus 2,500. Joel Embiid is second at plus 750. We'll be... We'll be talking about it, and LaMelo Ball still has Rookie of the Year advantage. Today's show is also brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and Linden. I've been telling you about my experience recently because I've just been kind of blown away by it. The Elantra got named the Car of the Year at pretty incredible. At $26,000 is the version I'm driving. It's just terrific. It's got everything you could want out of a car. My wife just drove it to St. George for the weekend with no problems at all. And it has just been completely a, f- a discovery. You can get it for as little as 19 or 20. 
And they're fabulous. The Ionic is back in the electric, the hybrid, the plug-in are all back. Uh, the Sonata has a new hybrid. They've really picked up with a pretty awesome uh, sedan line. And then, of course, they're part of the Genesis family, too, if you didn't know that. And those cars are just gorgeous. Uh, but I've been blown away by the North American Car of the Year and the experience driving the North American Car of the Year, the Elantra. Check it out at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Email me first, please, at dlock09 at gmail.com, and I'll set you up with a meeting this weekend to go uh, look at some cars and give you the VIP setup that you need. All right, uh, Nikola Jokic. Just outstanding. The way I think the Jazz have to try to guard him is to try, if you can, to reduce his game a little bit. So he does everything. His three-point shooting has changed everything. His mid-range shooting is amazing. He posts up 25% of the time. He shoots 55% out of a post-up. Like, what are you supposed to do with that? He's outstanding in the pick-and-roll. Shoots like 62% off the pick-and-roll. Uh, effective field goal percentage. His spot-up shooting is now elite. His offensive rebounding is now elite. Uh, His one-on-one play is now elite. I I mean, it's just mind-blowing how he's evolved as a player. It's actually best represented if you actually dig into the numbers of what he's done over the years when guarded by Rudy Gobert. Like, it's... In fact, let's take a look at it. And it, it all, I mean, it just changed to his credit last year in the playoffs. But over the years, when he was guarded by Gobert, he, is, he had actually struggled. This was a little bit of, you know, if we go to 2017-18. So this is, the Jazz actually would have favors guard Jokic. And I wonder whether they might do this again at all tonight. They're so big. So favors would guard Jokic and Gobert would come over and bother him. So he only guarded him in one of the games. Jokic missed a game. He went two of six. He went one of three from three. Pretty small sample size. In 18-19, they guarded each other for four games. Jokic shot 30%, nine of 30 from the floor. But most interestingly, one of 10 from three. So he took, against Gobert, he took 30% of his shots as threes. That's an important number. He went one of 10 from three. He was very bothered by Gobert's length. and And he shot poorly. In the 1920 regular season, the story's the same. They played three games against each other. Now he stopped shooting threes against him. Instead of shooting 33% of his shots as threes against him, he shot about 20% of his shots as threes against him. He went three of nine. He shot 49%. He, he kind of just played a mid-range jumper game, and he shot 49%, and it wasn't like that effective. He had some big games. We get to the playoffs. And Jokic goes to a completely different place. He take, goes back to taking 33% of his shots as threes against Gobert over the seven games. But he shoots 54% from the field and 51% from three. So instead of the guy who went one of 10 and then limited his shots. He goes 21 of 41 from three against Gobert in the playoffs. 51%. Now, it's Gobert leaving him to try to deal with 
Murray or what? Like, there's a bunch of different elements to look at there, but the big picture, without minimizing like that there's a lot of noise, is pretty revealing. And that is that Jokic figured out how to get the three off against Gobert. Because what you really need to do with Jokic, if you're the Jazz, is try to eliminate that post game. Jokic, out of the post, as I mentioned, shoots 55%. But he also, that's where he does a huge amount of his passing. And when he passes out of the post, their effective field goal percentage is 65%. He hits cutters about 30% of the time. He finds shooters about 70% of the time. They shoot 74% on cuts. They shoot 62%. These are effective field goal percentage numbers on spot-ups. And they shoot 65% off his post-up passes. Effective field goal percentage. Incredible. And if he shoots, it's 55%. If you can have Rudy guard him one-on-one and then hopefully stay with the cutters and the shooters... You eliminate that aspect of their game. Which, interestingly enough, is like 40% of his game is passing out of the post. So you want to reduce his game a little bit. And the way you reduce his game is he goes and gets in the right block where he likes to work most of the time, but he's now so diverse that it's not all the time. And try to make him an offensive player one-on-one instead of a passer. And he's still great at it. He's still great at it. But at that point, what you're trying to hope is that here's this guy who's great at it, who shoots 55% effective field goal percentage against the best defensive player in the world. The players shoot seven percentage points lower against Rudy on average. So it's probably not seven with Jokic. It's probably four. And you kind of keep him down to like 50% effective field goal percentage which is good but not great, and you don't foul a lot, and you try to just survive. But most importantly, he's not creating 65% effective field goal percentage for all of his teammates. He's just remarkable. By the way, my favorite note on him is if he's in the right block where he lives, he goes right or left the exact same amount of times And he shoots the exact same percentage if he goes right or left. And he goes each way the same amount. The one he really kills you on is when he faces up and shoots over you, which is probably not something that he will do a great deal to Rudy, but he's got that ability with that little fadeback. If he's on the left block, he does want to turn. He's preferable to turn left shoulder to the middle, and he's far better. He's on the left block. He's not going baseline. It's just incredible. All right, Michael Porter Jr. is equally incredible. He has become Clay Thompson in Kevin Durant's body. We'll talk about him when we continue here on Locked On Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends at Grip Six Belts. I'm not wearing Grip Six because it's eight sixteen in the morning, but I'm about to head out. Might be hit some golf balls as, uh, and do some of that stuff today. I'll be wearing my Grip Six, and I will be wearing a different Grip Six belt because I will change my strap and my buckle 
for later tonight when I head to the arena and try to look nicer. That's the beauty of Grip6. That versatility, you grab a few buckles, you grab a few straps, and you suddenly have a whole setup of different things. A classic pack is $99 right now, um, where you get, I believe, three buckles and three belts, and it ends up being a nine-belt combo, basically. So you get the Ninja, the Gun Melt, and the Granite, and you get three straps, the Black Moke and the Gray, and you're set. And use the promo code LOCKED15 or LOCKED ON, and you end up uh, seeing if you can get more discount, but you can't because the discount applies, don't apply because they've already discounted it so much. So go check out Grip6 Engineered Without Holes, Flaps, or Bulk. Unlimited warranty. It's my favorite belt. It's the only belts I wear now. Grip6 didn't know anything about them, got introduced to them, and now I love to tell you about them. It's all at grip6.com. Promo code LOCKED ON. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Coconut brownies coming my way. They're going so many fun things at Built Bar right now. You can go check it out. The coconut brownie is all sold out. I got two boxes. Uh, wait, is it out? Is it back? No, it's not. And the fire and ice one the other day sold out already. They're so fun with all the uh, things they're doing. Right now, coconut almond mint brownie, salted caramel, raspberry peanut butter brownie, coconut, double chocolate, cookies and cream. And Cherry Barcia are all available. You can build your own box or get an 18-bar box mix match. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, 4 carbs, 4 sugars. Uh, and, and you get 17 grams of protein. It's Built Bar. Check it out. Promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Uh, my favorite show we have is Locked On Today. I went on a bike ride yesterday and I really got my perfect combo of podcasts. I went from... I started with Locked On Today, went to NPR's Up First, and then went to Hollinger and Duncan, in which Hollinger says that Rudy Gobert is a top two MVP candidate. What? That's right. All right. Michael Porter Jr. is awesome. Um, Part of the reason why Denver is so good right now is Michael Porter Jr., so if we take a quick look at April 2nd as the as the date by which thing, you know, Jamal Murray goes out, they get Aaron Gordon before then. But since April 2nd, Jamal uh what Michael the reason they are 14 and 4 is largely Michael Porter Jr. 24% 24 points a game, 55% from the field, 43% from 3. free throws plus eight per 48 minutes or for per game, eight rebounds a game and assist doesn't pass a lot. Okay. So let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. Often you dig into the numbers on these guys. Devin Booker is a good example of this. And you find out like, Oh, well, if you keep them out of transition in the half court, they're going to struggle. This is not true with Michael Porter Jr. He might be the best half-court offensive player in the NBA. He is so tall, so long, and shoots so much like Klay Thompson. It's incredible. One thing is watch them out him out of timeouts. They live on him out of timeouts, and he's great. His spot-up shooting is as good as anyone in the league. He's pretty good in transition, and he's developing, though they don't do it a lot, as a pick-and-roll ball handler. But he is just a deadly, deadly 
shooter. You want to force him into multiple dribbles. Unguarded catch and shoot. You leave him open, it's lights out. 80% effective field goal percentage. Guarded, he's still at 59. He's great. About 20% of the time, you can get him to shoot off the bounce. He he wants to catch and shoot. He wants to boom, 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 boom. And he's so big and he's so tall that he's really great at it. He's not going to play. You want to make him put it on the deck for an extended period of time. He's not an ISO drive guy. He's not a natural pick and roll player, though they're using him a bit more because he's so long at that. He's not a post-up player. He is a dead-eye killer shooter. If you can make him put it on the deck, his efficiency drops. It's still great. It's still like 53% effective field goal percentage. It's still like 84th percentile. It's not his 67 to 80% or 67 to 70% effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot. Like he's otherworldly in the other part of that game. There's two guys. Like we're really dealing with two guys at this point with their injuries. Without Will Barton, Austin Rivers, who we know can beat you up, will go one-on-one and play ISO and we don't have guys that really guard that as he exposed earlier this year. But they're Michael Porter Jr., And they are Nikola Jokic. And they're both outstanding. Porter's getting 6'10". He's getting 7'8", threes a game because, like, I mean, by the way, like, Donovan Mitchell would have to be guarding him tonight. That, like, I don't know what we do about that if we face them in the playoffs. I really don't. Like, that's a, that should be a really legit, like, when we talk about matchups, that should be a really legitimate concern. So catch and shoot three, he's at 47% on threes. On, off the bounce, he's at 35%. Can you make him dribble? Um, and he's so long, it, frankly, if he gets inside, he gets pretty outstanding. All right, point gains Friday. We've kind of run through everybody. I wanted to see if anybody had any points gained questions today um, about any players. I'll kind of update you. Um other than Joe and JC, who has the best points gained off the bench? Well, Favors is probably going to come out pretty well here, even though he doesn't shoot a lot. But let's take a look for the season. And Jordan doesn't actually have a very good points gained. Like that's, Jordan's a high volume, inefficient player. For those of you that are new to points gained, points gained is the points a player scores a with his scoring opportunities on a given night, so the points a player scores with his scoring opportunities on a given night above what a collection of the average offensive players would do. Okay, so in other words, if Nikola Jokic gets 21 scoring opportunities a night, he scores three points above league average with those. Michael Porter Jr. gets 18 scoring opportunities a night, actually 14, now more, and scores 2.5 points above league average. They're plus 5.5 in their two players. It gets awfully hard to catch them. Our two best are Rudy Gobert plus 2.4 and Joe Ingles plus 2.1. Negative players are hard to overcome. That's another theory here in this. Jordan Clarkson is minus 0.9. Joe Ingles is plus 2.1. That is why I would vote Joe Ingles for sixth man of the year. Derek is plus 0.7. 
Urshan is plus 0.4. George Niang is plus 0.2, which is great if you're coming off the bench. We only have one negative player on our roster. It's Jordan Clarkson. A big belief, a belief I have in this is if you can avoid negative possessions, you're right. P.J. Dozier is minus 1.1. Like, Denver will be okay without him. Will Barton's minus 0.8. Denver might be okay without him. Aaron Gordon, minus 0.6. Austin Rivers, minus 0.4. Shaq, minus 0.4. This is why they're struggling offensively, despite Jokic and Porter. And they lose Jamal Murray, who's a plus 0.7. They don't really have anybody else who's positive. That's going to catch up to them. Clippers and Suns are built perfectly. They have virtually no negatives. Lakers have Andre Drummond, minus 1.7. Dennis Schroeder, minus 0.8. Ben McLemore, minus 0.7. Markeith Morris, minus 0.7. Taylor Horton Tucker, minus 0.7. Kyle Kuzma, minus 0.7. That team might not be that great. And LeBron, by the way, is not LeBron. He's 1.4. If I go back a few years and look at LeBron, he's point in 17, 18, he's 2.8. In 16, 17, he's a 2.8. In 15-16, he's a 2.0. In 14-15, LeBron James is a 1.7. The slide starts a little bit. It's reality. He's 30-whatever years old. So that's the... It happened a little last year. He won the title also. So he finds a way to go somewhere else. Uh, The battle that's going on right now is between Kevin Durant and Steph Curry for number one points game player in the league. Durant is... 4.4, 4.4, Curry 4.1, Zion 3.2, Jokic 3.0, Embiid 2.8, Zach Levine 2.7, Giannis 2.6, Michael Porter 2.5. So two of the top 10 offensive players in the league tonight. Gobert 2.4, Rashawn Holmes 2.1, Joe Ingles 2.1, Kawhi Leonard 2.1, Joe Harris 2.1, Jared Allen 2.0. Those are the best. Where's Justice Winslow now? Minus 3.3. Right on the bottom like he always is. 34% shooting, 12% from three. Who's the best three and D points gain player in the league is a question I got. Pretty interesting question. Joe Ingles would not really classify. Joe Harris might. I don't know if he's a D. He would be the best. Mikel Bridges is probably the best at 1.8. And he's great defensively. There aren't a lot of just 3 and D guys anymore. That kind of position is fading. Um, Doug McDermott at 1.3 has become more than just 3 and D, and he's not really that D, but he's pretty good. Tony Snell is a 1.1 in Atlanta. Um, just 3, Davis Bertans is a point nine in Washington. I do not have much of any other pure 3 and D player for you. I don't even think there's that. Reggie Bullock, 0.6. I've always liked Reggie Bullock a little bit. I don't know how many guys that are really just 3 and D anymore. The league's become so versatile. Good question, though. I like it. Uh, all right. Those are the questions that came in. That is the show. Quickly, because I always like to know, hottest player in the NBA over the last 10 games as we head to the stable, Kevin Durant. 
is the hottest player in the NBA at a 5.2. Demata Sabonis, I don't think he's played much at a 5.0. Harrison Barnes hasn't played. Michael Porter Jr. at a 4.2. Guys have actually played more than seven games in the last 10. Michael Porter Jr. is the hottest player in the NBA. Clay Thompson shooter in Kevin Durant's body. Jazz and the Nuggets coming up tonight. Should be a good one on the Jazz. Tune in and uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you. And then post game, Ron Boone will join me again. See you.